Hey, leaders, hey, friends, journeymen, pastors, entrepreneurs, corporate CEOs, nonprofit executives. That's all of you. You're on the lawnmower, you're out mowing the grass, you're doing dishes, you may be on the commute. Welcome again to the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. This is going to be a helpful conversation on this episode because we have Kurt Harlow. Kurt, many of you know, one of the senior pastors at Bayside Church, sits down with longtime friend of Bayside, longtime friend of Thrive, longtime friend of Ray Johnston, Chris Brown. There you go. The reveal. Chris Brown. I know you know the reveal because you've seen his name wherever you get your podcast. But Chris Brown, you all know Chris Brown. He is uh, an incredible teacher, the the pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor at uh, North Coast in the San Diego area. And Chris is a many, many time speaker at Thrive Conference, one of the great communicators of the day in the church. I don't need to set this up anymore. You know these guys. Let's jump into it. Let's buckle our seatbelts. Let's go. Let's get into it. Here we go. Kurt Harlow is sitting down with Chris Brown. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the flip side smash up slash leadership podcast for Thriving Churches International. That's right. Thriving Churches International, we interview all of our leadership friends. And on the flip side, we dive deep into the weekends at Bayside. We're putting those two together because it's Thrive Conference Week while we're recording this. And we want to take advantage of all the different leaders in here. And I'm starting off with like one of my favorite humans on the earth. I, I know I say that a lot, but this really is true. Preacher, theologian, leader, friend, um, great sense of humor, even better storyteller. Uh, he's the guy I refer to the most when I'm teaching people about preaching around here. It is our friend, Chris Brown. Welcome to Thrive, Chris. Welcome to the flip side. So good to be back. Just got into town. You wrangled me into this, so it's going to be fun to see where it goes. And it's, it's I, I don't know, this is not going to be a compliment to you in any way. I wish I could give you one. <laughs> but people go, oh, because I just told people out here, hey, I'm going to meet with Kurt Harlow. And they're like, oh, you're twin. And yes. I get that a lot when I come I, here. Oh, I get it all. And I feel bad for you because no one should be my twin. I was vacationing in San Diego and a lady came up to me in Balboa Park and said, I don't want to interrupt you and your beautiful family, but you changed my life. <laughs> and I said, thank you. You're so sweet. I said, where did we meet? She said, it was Hume Lake 10 years ago. And I, I said, I've never been to Hume Lake. You must be my friend, Chris Brown. And she said, you're not Chris Brown. I said, but wow. it's a compliment. I take it as a huge compliment. Well, and this is the first time I've ever heard I impacted someone's life. So even secondhand, <laughs> I'm at least going to get encouragement she because of your very, good looks. very, very thrilled. All right. Here's the format we do on the flip side all the time. It's three questions, three questions. And then we just kind of let the ADHD and the spirit of God take over Ooh. as we ask these three questions. So question number one, if you could do 2020... Don't even have to say anything about why you picked that year. If you could do 2020 all over again, Chris, what would you do? Ding! Top answer on the board, resign at the end of 2019. (laughs) So I would not have to be in the seat that I was in in 2020. If I had to do 2020 over again. Man, there's so many mistakes I made. I I told our staff uh, about five months into it, I wish this was one of those choose your own ending stories um, Mm. where you can go back and somewhere around chapter three or four, choose another ending because I would love to replay 2024 five different ways. Mm. Because even now, I still don't know which way is right. I think we got to get at least three to four years away to look back on and go, that was best for our church. Right now I have a hunch, but we still don't know. If there was one thing though, not to avoid your question completely, would be, over communicate more than I thought I was doing communication in times of crisis is kindness 
And I don't, I felt like our staff got tired of hearing from me. We mm -hmm. were doing a weekly video, weekly updates. And man, by the you know second, third month, I'm like, these people hate me. They're tired of hearing this. And let's just do a once a month thing. Let's just keep, and, and looking back, um, even though I thought we did a pretty good job communicating, I would have over communicated even more. People can always turn it off or not click on it if they were tired of it. But if people wanted it, it wasn't there. And so I didn't push as much. Um, I got bored with myself. I did not like the excuses or decisions we were making. So I felt bad that people even had to hear some of them. But looking back, I think that's what held people together. Even if they disagreed with some of the stuff we're doing, they at least knew the why behind it and they felt in the know. So communication is kindness uh, really in the midst of crisis. And I don't think I was as kind as I could have been by holding back communication because I was, I was right. just tired of the rhetoric. Right. Of course, that's, that's, very, that's very, very good. Mm. I think my number one answer there would be I would learn to mute and unmute on Zoom calls. Mm. So we're a year and multiple months into this, I'm still having multiple people tell me, unmute yourself, Kurt. Yep. <laughs> and then they don't tell me to mute myself. I can hear them thinking it though. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting you're talking about uh, your team being tired of yourself. I felt that profoundly. I'm like, people say, okay, can we jump on a quick Teams call or Zoom call? And I'm like, I don't look at myself anymore. Yep. I don't want to hear my voice anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it as a leader, not feeling confident in what we're doing next. Um, my prayer life got so much better, but man, my leadership confidence, that, that's very interesting. You said that for the leader that's out there right now, listen to this, and they could be a business leader. They could be leading themselves, leading their kids, leading their home. Um, kind of how do you regain, how do you get a breath and regain a little bit of godly confidence in such an unsecure and insecure time. Yeah, I think I hit that um, in July. Yeah, uh, and part of it was I was listening to too many voices, mm -hmm. and I wasn't listening to the right one. And that one is singular. And I was listening too much to the culture, and I was listening to the critics because the critics had the loudest voice. I was counting. Uh, opinions. I should have been weighing opinions. That's um, so good, Chris. Say when, that one more time. Yeah. Please. Uh, we have to stop counting opinions. We need to weigh opinions. We would look and just mm. go, man, we got 80 complaints. We got 80 emails mm. saying that 80 people saying, if you don't, hey, how can my church leave me out to dry? We're going to leave our church. We're going to, and I'm looking at this going, oh my gosh, the whole world has just turned against us. And, and then we should have weighed one, who are these people? Secondly, really looking at what is their investment in North Coast been? I'm not just talking tithing, but have they ever volunteered? Have they been in life groups? What is their attendance like? And then three, we forgot to count the uncountable. And that hit me in wow. July. Wow. I started to count what wasn't countable. In other words, that majority of that is silent, but offerings are still coming in. So, you know, I'm like, guys, we are letting somewhere around four to 500 families ruin my day. And we forget about the thousands out there that are still supporting, still weighing in by giving, still being by clicking, still watching online. And there's an approval rating there that wasn't countable because it didn't come in by phone calls or emails or text. But we started counting and we should have been weighing. When we started weighing, we realized we're in a much, much better spot than we are. In fact, somewhere around 85% to 89% of North Coasters were solidly behind us, yep. incredibly behind us. And we are letting these 400 to 500 drive us out of business. And then that shame on us. Right. Shame on us for expecting to be in ministry and wanting everyone to be happy with us. 
shame on us. So right. that was this perspective change. I needed to weigh, not count. And then I just needed to eject from the stressors and critics in my life. Mm. I'm watching way too much news because I watch more news in 2020 than ever before. Right. Because in ministry, but maybe for leaders in general, you know, I got to be up in what's going on. You know, right, I got to be right, informed right, right, to be right, in front right. of these people. But in being up and being informed in our current news cycle was just killing my heart. Yes. I'm not a guy that's ever suffered with stress, depression, but man, I now know what it feels like. Um, I got in July and I didn't like the church. There's a large part of me because the way I was brought up that has problems with the church, but I've always loved North Coast. Right. In July, I started disliking our church. Mm. And that's when I realized you got to you got to get out of Dodge. So yeah. I pulled my family at the time, even though things were going to hell in a handbasket around the world, I took my family down to Mexico against all best advice and wisdom. But I said, I, I got to get two weeks on a beach somewhere and find myself. Yes, yes. And this is where things for me centered around Psalm 73. And I came back going, listen to the right voice singular. Weigh opinions, don't count them. Know what your calling is regardless of the critics. And I would say from the end of July to now, it's been a great run for me, but. Took a moment mm. to, uh, you had to stop. You had to focus on scripture. You had to eliminate another voice. I can't tell you how many people said uh, to me, Kurt, my breakthrough happened when I decided cable news was not my go-to yes. source. And I, I think you cannot live in perpetual hype and debate. You just cannot do it. It's it's hard. So I gotta ask you this question, Chris. And by the way, for the record, I'll run on the flip side. It's still three questions. Taylor still is here. He's off stage. Don't worry. We didn't kill Taylor. Uh, though that all counted as one question, people. That this was is all still one, one question. Yeah. And uh, I'm moving on to the second question. Okay. But but I have to ask you this one. And and before we even start shooting, I told you I was going to ask you some questions, and I didn't bring this one up. But <laughs> but but I'm going to ask. Hey, I learned question. not to trust you years ago. Exactly. Precisely. Uh, number one, because Bayciders, that's who's predominantly going to be watching this. Love your preaching. I love your preaching. I think you do a really interesting thing. You're inductive, which means you invite people to think, but you are, uh, you're centered in grace. You're theologically a grace guy. Mm -hmm. You theologically put the pressure on God and ask us to continually submit to that. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. Some, some people that are inductive, it could be heady or inspirational or fun for the heart, but the theological depth of really that our faith is a grace faith uh, I love that out of you. And it's a, it's a rare combo, Chris. So all of that to set up this question, what coming out of this, what are you preaching at uh, North coast? What are you asking your people to get into biblically right now in this moment and dissect some of that so we can glean from some of that as well? Yeah, oh boy, that's good. A thanks. I think if there is one thing I would ever want to be known for, that's a guy that preaches the grace of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we all preach through our own lens of our own baggage, our own upbringing, our own journey. I Grace is so huge for me. Our second daughter is named Karis, the Greek word for grace. It was just, I cannot do what I do. I shouldn't be allowed to do what I do. I can't be called son, even slave of God, let alone be involved in the kingdom without grace. And so it, it I hope it permeates everything. It does, man, it I does. Do. I love it. The thing I think right now is we are finding a new redefinition of church in America, where churches throughout this pandemic really 
broke down sometimes their congregation and their congregations reformed. People started going to, I'm more of a political church. I'm more of a social justice church. We're more of a this and more of that. And we have now, I think we will look back five, 10 years from now, and we will see churches that change their defining moment, their definition of here's the type of church we're gonna be. And it was galvanized or at least collected through this pandemic. For North Coast, we came through this going, we have got to get back to biblical literacy and the gospel. Mm. Um, I think when you take away someone's pastor and their program, people were left without their spirituality. And a Christian spirituality should never be based on a pastor or a program. Mm. But when the pastor and program got taken away, people didn't know how to disciple kids. People didn't know what to do spiritually in their marriage. People said, man, I've been five months without you know, worship or Bible study. And I thought, well, worship and Bible study should not be a shop you go to on the weekend. Come um, on, Chris. And so for, for us, we've always been a passage-driven, book-driven, but we took a thing coming, we are gonna get back to, man, we are writing in our Bibles. We're marking it up. We're, we're not gonna give sway to, man, there was... Uh, there was another political issue this week. There's another hearing coming up next week. There's another big thing coming up, anniversary. I go, you know what? You can spend every month trying to hit the issue of the month and then trying to please people on both sides of the coin, which you never will, or you can just hit the gospel and keep this thing riding. And we are gonna be based on a church that loses people, and we did because we weren't political. Um, and uh, we lost people because we weren't involved in the race issue enough. We lost people because we weren't involved in the COVID issue enough. We lost people because we bend a knee to Governor Newsom. We lost people because we didn't stand up for the First Amendment. We lost people. And, and it's amazing how quickly people abandon their church, their faith for their political or social party. And so through this, we just said, okay, here's North Coast. We're gonna be a place where people go, I'm not quite sure where they stand on these issues, but man, they preach the word. And some may think that's a cop out, but I just want to get back to biblical literacy. So we're doing right now, we just kicked off a series, 27 books. We're doing all 27 books in the New Testament. Um, what's the main theme? What's the main objective? Who wrote it? Why was it written? We want them to be able to hang the entire New Testament on one story. So they go, I actually own this book. I can see it now. It's not just a bunch of ancient literatures thrown together in one binder. Mm. And so we're just taking a huge step and jump into biblical literacy. I love it. We are, uh, we, we had the exact same response. We lost people on both sides. Yep. Um, and we were kind of, and this is our lesson of what we do over again. I would probably be less specific because we just were honest with people and said, uh, hey, we're not going to take a stand on this. We're not going to take a stand on that. We were going to go after this. And the reason here is it's biblical, blah, blah, blah. It's in the text. And man, I was called a white nationalist and a, a member of BLM in the same week in two different social media platforms, yeah. same exact post. And one person just got on there blasting me, you're a socialist. The other person blasted me, you're a white nationalist. And I'm like, wow, you take away the routine of church from some people, it didn't force them back in the Bible and prayer by themselves. It really exposed some things. We're doing the book of Mark right now. We're doing mm -hmm. it on uh, Wednesday right. nights as a hour long verse by verse study. Oh. And on the weekends, we're kind of dividing the chapter. Uh, we would like Chris Brown to join us on the Bible study on Wednesday nights. Mm, my favorite little, book. I, I mean, bro, I can't, the first five, six chapters, I hear your voice doing mm. the cinematic thing all throughout <laughs> it, you know, it just is. 
the massive unloading of miracles from moment to moment and stuff. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get Chris on that. But I really do believe we have to stop telling people how to respond and tell them how to exegete the Bible. Yeah. And, and, and go, we've made you too dependent on us. Yep. We got to model in our sermons right now. I'm going, if you're not spending 10 minutes on context, at least, and telling them what the eisegetical interpretations of these passages are, uh, and showing them how you brought eisegetical things to this and how you become a good exegete, you're not in this moment. There's too many issues to tell everyone how to think on each issue. You got to get them to build their life on the rock of the faith. And, I, and, and it was a, it's interesting you say that. Very, very similar response to us. Two churches we're very close to. One of them went very political on one direction. One of them went very political on the other direction. And um, and God bless them. God, go, go do your journey. I'm not going to sit on the judgment seat of Christ for your church. I'm sitting on the judgment seat of Christ for mine. Uh, and the church that God has put me at, I should say. So... But I, I think that you're just exactly right, Chris. It was a crisis that created some unintentional defining moments yeah. that we might pay for later if we're not careful. Uh, let me get the last question. Tate, what am I doing on time? I got... Oh my goodness, I knew Five minutes. I sensed it in my soul. Oh, Here we go. My closing prayer is seven. Um, what I love about you, Chris, is that you don't pull punches, but they're all given in grace and love. Food, I don't know. And... Uh, uh, I can't tell you how many times at base that I've heard you say, I'm going to say this, and it might be my last time ever being invited here. <laughs> and I always think whatever he's about to say will be the reason we'll invite him back. Yeah, well, I keep coming back, but it's fun being a guest speaker because you can say things elsewhere that you probably it's, wouldn't it's, pull at your own so church. It's so and beautiful and probably <laughs> healthy. Um, if you could say something encouraging to the entire Christian community right now, um, you know, one of the things I just, I think we need to know exactly what you said a minute ago. You're less alone than you think. You got more support. If you were going to encourage the entire Christian community coming out of this, what would your message to us be? Oh, uh, dear Christian community, knock it off. Hell is too hot. Life is too short. Eternity is way too long and too valuable knock it off. We have completely amputated parts of the body of Christ because they didn't vote the way we vote. They don't see things the way we see things. They use different definitions. And we have brought the greatest hindrance to the work of God in our culture because we have in our cancel culture, removed brothers and sisters from faith, from our fellowship because of the way they saw things, the way they tweeted things, the way they Instagram things, the way they posted things, and we have written them off. And I would say, knock it off. Our enemy is having a heyday with the mm -hmm. effects of 2020 because he got the body of Christ to disintegrate. And we got hands laying over here and all the hands are getting together and all the feet are getting together over here and all the eyes are getting together Go over on. here because they see things the right way. And then, and we got huddle groups. If we believe this way, we vote this way. It happened on mask or no mask, COVID or no COVID, regulations or no regulations, First Amendment, no First Amendment, Republican, Democrat. It happened with race, racism, systemic, not systemic, cultural, not. It happened 
happened in so many areas. Now listen to me. It happened in Nike <clears throat> shoes are no Nike yep, shoes. Yep, Nike versus Adidas. I mean, but these things aren't trivial. These things were important to us. These things were dear to us. These things were hurtful for us to hear. I get it, I get it, I get it. But you've got to knock it off. The body of Christ is much bigger than that. There will be no COVID or anti-COVID in heaven. There will be no Democrat or Republican in heaven. There will be, I mean, all these things we're doing, they are temporary and the eternal work of God. We're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, but that means because it's the body of Christ. The hands can't do anything on their own. The feet, I don't care where they go, they can't do anything once they get there because they don't have the eyes, they don't have the mouth. The body of Christ was not supposed to splinter and fraction into we all believe the same thing and how dare they vote, see, react, post something different. The body of Christ was supposed to be bigger than that and grab that and say, wow, God made us different with our uniquenesses so we could do more together. When we dissolve over our creative uniqueness and differences, we have killed the work of God in our culture. And I would say to the greater Christian audience, knock it off. If God loved them enough to kill his son for that person, you've got to love enough to lay down your agenda and say, all right, that's brother and sister. We got to erase 2020. We got to ask for forgiveness. We got to get up and we got to keep moving forward, but it won't happen. There will be people not in eternity because of the way the body has broken over these things. People will not be reached because we're not together anymore. And it's because we won't allow someone to vote differently than we have and still be in Christian community. And I would say, knock it off. Whew. Something else I would say and not get invited back for. Thanks a lot, Mr. Harlow. <laughs> hey, uh, it's the next sermon series we're going to do. Called, it's called Knock It Off. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been telling our people, I was saying, I, I think I'm, I'm the guy that caused all this because I've been going to these prayer meetings for 30 years. And at the prayer meetings, we've been saying, uh, give us revival, Lord. And I think what I meant was, can we have more baptisms and uh, more big services. And what God heard is, oh, you want me to strip away your idols and what you're dependent on, so you'll seek me. Mm. And I think when you said this there, erase 2020, and I think God erased a bunch of stuff and let us see who we were. Yep. And then your next phrase was repent. I hope that's what happens next. And I think if, if that happens, if we really do humble ourselves, there's great opportunity because I know in, in the micro, people are asking me, what do I do with my life? I mean, non-Christians, what do I do with my life? What direction do I have? There's great opportunity for the church here, but um, but we gotta knock it off. Yeah. We gotta knock it off. All right, unfortunately, our time with Chris has come to an end um, on this platform, in this format. By the way, this is the smash up of the Flipside podcast, weekend podcast of Bayside Church and Thrive Conference leadership interviews. You wanna check out both those platforms. You wanna go to the internet and you want to subscribe to Bayside Church, Bayside Church on YouTube. Then you wanna turn the notifications on. Then right after you turn the notifications on, you wanna turn them off for ESPN and Fox News and the Weather Channel and anything else like it's keeping you from you having your daily devotions. So, you know, just give you a little ping. And every time Chris comes on one of these things, I'll be there. I wanna encourage you to look at the Expectations Marriage Series. We just put them on there. All the Bayside weekends are on there, including you'll find a bunch of weekends uh, from Chris and a whole bunch of these smash up flip side thrive uh, interviews that are on there. Enjoy yourself, consume them responsibly. In other words, don't look at a screen while you're driving down the road and definitely leave a like, a share and a comment. Thanks so much for leaning into this. God bless you. And we'll see you the next time on the flip side. Well, thanks again to Chris. 
you can uh, follow Chris wherever you follow Chris uh, on the social medias. And uh, he's, uh, my, my guess is he'll be speaking at an upcoming Thrive Conference. He'll probably be speaking at a Bayside Church weekend at some point soon. And we just, we honor and respect and admire and appreciate Chris's friendship for all these years with Thrive and with Ray Johnson. And thanks to Kurt Harlow for step, stepping into the uh, to the uh, Bob Costa seat, the Oprah seat. Uh, we appreciate him subbing in for Ray, bringing us that conversation. So uh, do this, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about this conversation. We want to get the word out and we would love for you to uh, continue to tune in, go back and binge all the episodes, go to thriveconference.org. You can get a lot more free resources there, lots of videos, lots of resources, articles, and of course, stay tuned. We'll have upcoming episodes with other great leaders as uh, Ray and other friends sit down and have great conversations. So lead well. Let's uh, be healthy leaders with thriving churches. This is the Ray Johnston Leadership Podcast.